We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Hello and welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) We should probably just expose ourselves now, Yeah. 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 So... (laughs) This is our second time recording the entirety of this episode because Riverside did me dirty and real dirty only recorded the first 16 minutes of Maddie's audio of our 54 minute recording. So rude. So I was basically talking to myself for a half hour, which is great. Yeah. But I mean, maybe this is a blessing in disguise because I was super sleep deprived yesterday. So hopefully I'll be a little more <laughs> alert and active and be like, wow, this is brand new news to me. <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> what story? Wow. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, we had a warning pop up and we did not heed it. Yep. And we now have to suffer the consequences of not listening to an error message. Yep. PSA children always heed the warning messages. Oh, you know, your computer is smarter than you. You know, you just gotta admit it when you're wrong. Trust Skynet. Just. (laughs) All hail Skynet. Submit. Our Lord and server. (laughs) (laughs) TM, TM. (laughs) It's the most clever I've ever been at 8 a.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah, we're recording this literally the day before it's supposed to be the morning before. So yeah, yeah, you're welcome. On that note, so I can spare myself some editing time, let's get started. Yay! This week, we're going to be discussing a topic that has some relevance to us, Mm -hmm. which we'll get into, but we're discussing Grace O'Malley. Surprise for you. (laughs) Surprise for me. All right. Information was pulled from the following sources, a 2022 Forbes article by Margie Goldsmith, 2022 Irish Post article, 2021 History Extra article, 2021 World History Encyclopedia article by Joshua J. Mark, 2019 Mental Floss article by Catherine Curzon, 2018 All That's Interesting article by Daniel Rennie, 2005 History Ireland article, Jiggy.com, a Royal Museum at Greenwich article, the Way of the Pirates article, and our good friends over at the Wikipedia. And links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. Awesome. Got something you want to say? Shoot us an email over at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your story ideas, see any gifts you send our way, or if you just want to say hello. We're pretty friendly. Speaking of friendly, if you'd like to have real-time conversations with us, consider joining our Discord over at the Cultivate Network. You can chat with us over at the Old Crimers Cubby or catch up with any of the other great creators that are part of the Cultivate family of podcasts. Just click the link in our show notes 
or over on our link tree to get started today. This has been on our list for a while, mm-hmm. and we have an interesting familial connection. Grace O'Malley is the paternal grandmother of the husband of our 11th great-grandmother on our dad's side. Woo! So we are basically kissing cousins. Yeah. <laughs> kissing Fun. grandmother granddaughters. <laughs> Fun fact, we are now honorary pirates, so. Yes. Congratulations, Lindsay. High five. I've only been on a boat twice. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on a handful of boats. I've been on one sailboat and one pontoon. I went on a ferry when I was in hey. Ireland. Yeah. So you were closer to her than I've ever been. <laughs> this is true. This is true. All right. Well, let's fit. Let's find out why she's so cool. Yep. Grace, who is known in Gaelic as Grania Niwala, was born in Ull, Connacht, Ireland, in 1530 to parents. Ewan Dubdara Owala, or Owen O'Malley, and Misha Niwala, or Margaret slash Maeve. Like, I saw the same thing mm-hmm. on different sites. Like, half of them were like, her name's Maeve, and the other half were like, she's Margaret. So I... Maybe that was a nickname? Or like... You know, kind of like Maggie? Just a different... Or that was, you know... The Christian version of Maeve. Yeah, yeah, Margaret. I don't know. Could be. I mean, this was the time when everybody was very persnickety about christian names and christianity in general so yeah it's like when you have a white name yeah that some friends have they or like when a lot of asian americans have like their actual name and then they have quote-unquote american name her father was a chieftain ruler of ul and came from an ancient and powerful dynasty in connacht that had ruled the western coast of ireland for over 300 years that's so crazy which is bananas yeah ireland had a unique legal system in place at this time known as Brehan law in which chieftains were elected instead of just inheriting the title via primogeniture which is Mm -hmm. essentially like having it passed down from one generation to the next like the firstborn yeah firstborn son so it's it's essentially the in-between of a monarchy and a democracy yes not quite a democracy because you can't just pick anybody. Yeah. And it's not quite a monarchy, though, because you can decide which family is the more powerful family. Yeah. They're basically voting for someone within the clan mm-hmm. to be the next chieftain or slash lord, depending on what interpretation you're reading. Yeah. Also, more powerful clans use systems of clientship, which meant they would offer protection to smaller clans in exchange for their servitude and loyalty. And this explains why some historic figures are noted as coming from several different clans, either through fealty, marriage, or even both. Yeah, so it's it's almost like a more, to me, I can only compare it to like a more casual version of a monarchy, like with royal courts marrying higher up like families strategically high like marrying in to yeah get more power so just a different version a different font (laughs) of the same concept so like if you were (laughs) if you were born a spanish princess but then you married into the the english monarchy and then so you're still Mm -hmm. like part of both you still have yeah you still have the spanish backing now your spanish family has english ties and english protections and yeah exactly Gotta love it. Yeah. Very confusing. (laughs) 
At the time of her birth, King Henry VIII was in power in England and held the title of Lord of Ireland. Oh, I'm sure that went over really well. Yeah. <laughs> He's our favorite. He's the best. So fun. Tudors were so fun. The best of the editions of the monarchy. The best stage. <laughs> the Tudor His saga was, was the best. so cool. <laughs> <laughs> to set up some context, the English had first arrived in Ireland during the Norman invasion of 1169, when King Henry II of England personally traveled to the country to establish his control over it in 1171. Could you imagine that? You just like take a boat with your best buds that happen to have like weapons and you're like, hey, this is mine now. Cool. Yeah. Like just the the idea of concrete, like, you know, Christopher Columbus too. Like, hey, thanks for welcoming me. This is mine now. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Yeah. <laughs> Since then, the English magistrates would pit the various Irish clans against one another, providing land and gifts in exchange for them turning on and suppressing one another. And this will continue to come up during Grace's life and will continue to escalate throughout the years. And through throughout time. Yep. Still kind of so happening. You can still feel it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Grace's family gained their fortune by taxing anyone who fished in the water near their section of the Irish coast. Additionally, they were traders and merchants, trading as far away as France and Spagna, although not all of their trades were legal, which is fine. I mean, you gotta have some fun stuff sprinkled in every now and then, too. Yeah, live on the Keep edge. spicy. Keep it spicy. <laughs> The fact that they profited both on land and by sea made them stand out amongst the other Gaelic families in the area, because most of them either were purely land-based in their trades, or they were yeah. just strictly like a seafaring people. That's pretty pretty cool. They've got like a Hannah Montana, best of both worlds. <laughs> Grace was the Hannah Montana of Ireland. <laughs> She's got a blonde wig for the land and her natural hair for the sea. Wasn't that like the only premise? I don't yeah. Know. And then her dad's Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> you, there they Bill, go. Billy Ray o O'Malley. With the dynasty. Yep. I got my own dynasty. <laughs> Not a duck dynasty, but close. <laughs> Castles belonging to the O'Malley family lined the southwest coast of County Mayo and helped provide protection against invasion in their territory. This was during the time of the Tudors, as we mentioned, and the monarchy were ramping up their conquest of Ireland. Because why not? We don't have enough space. Because this was also when he was like, I don't like the Catholics anymore, so I'm going to do the Church of England and shove it down everyone's throats, Yep, including Ireland. Fun fact, a lot of the Irish were Irish Catholic. The ones that had converted. So, yeah. yeah. This is my new personality now. And I'm going to make it <laughs> everyone's problem. Yep. The legend of Grace starts in her childhood when, according to the stories told about her, she begged her father to allow her to join him on a trade mission to Spain when she was just 11. In an effort to deter her, her father explained that her long hair would be a safety hazard on the deck of the ship as it could get tangled up in the ropes. <laughs> That's so specific. Right. In response, Grace hacked off her hair, which earned her the nickname of Bald Grace, or Grania Muil in Gaelic. That's awesome. She was like, fix that. 
next she's like oh, okay dad and then the next day she's like i fixed it right <laughs> like, just when like, do we leave you're just like well shit <laughs> right i brought my pillow let's do this <laughs> Given the time period, it isn't surprising that we don't know a whole lot about Grace's childhood. We do know that she was born and raised at Belclare Castle near Westport on Clare Island. However, as a daughter of the elite, she would have received a formal education and would have had a substantial dowry. It's believed that as a result of her status, she was able to speak a number of languages, such as English, Spanish, Latin, Scottish Gaelic, and French. Nice. I know for sure she was fluent in Latin, but I'm not a hundred percent on the rest because the others were yeah. only noted really in like one source. Well, and I feel like the others honestly probably would be basic for trade. Yeah. That would kind of make more sense that she would know just enough to talk trade negotiations, but beyond that, she's not like Uber fluent. Yeah, like sailing across the sea to go vacation in france yeah wasn't really something you did then no weren't royalty. a native mm -hmm. in 1546 when she was around 16 or 17 years old she was married to the heir of the lands of o'flaherty donal o'flaherty i couldn't find a date of birth for donal but g.com said it could be as early as 1500 which would have made him 30 years older than grace gross <laughs> again i don't know so yeah. he could have been closer to her age i i just don't know yeah but just be because of the time that's also definitely a possibility yeah she married somebody 30 years older than her yeah for trade and power yeah. purposes yeah the pair lived at bunawin castle in galway it was a political marriage hence why it would make sense that he was 30 years older than her Mm -hmm. And even though the match did result in three children, two sons and one daughter, as you can probably guess, being a housewife just wasn't in the cards for Grace. What? Right. She wasn't happy making cookies all day? Nope. Fish cakes? The children were Owen, Margaret slash Maeve, and Mura. I couldn't get any definite birth dates for any of them just their names, but I do know that that was their birth order. It is said that Owen was the eldest and known to be kind and forgiving. Mm -hmm. The daughter, Maeve, was very much like her mother and would later in life go on to marry Richard, the devil's hook, Burke, and bore him several children. I don't know exactly how many. Nice. Loving the bad boys. I didn't dive too much into it. I probably should have, but I didn't. <laughs> Murra took after his father, and had a love of warfare. Of course. He also would beat his sister, refuse to listen to his mother, and later in life would turn on her. Great. So super, like, son of the year. Sounds yep. like son yep. of the century. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. Someone's got the baby of the family syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> Some interesting facts about marriages during this time is that under Gaelic law, if the marriage was to be dissolved... The full extent of the dowry had to be returned to the wife, and they were also able to retain any of their property as well. Very modern. Soup's modern. Mm -hmm. They could also purchase property and goods independent of their husband, so they didn't need permission. And it's believed that when Grace married Donal, 
She entered the marriage with several galleys and men to sail said galleys. So she had like her own mini fleet of ships. You know, casual. Which would make sense given her family. Mm-hmm. Well, and if her dad was as important as they say he was, he would want her to have a fleet for protection. Yep. It would make sense that she just had a bunch of bodyguards that happened to be on a boat. Well, maybe that was part of her dowry. Yeah. Could have been. Now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. Who knows? It wasn't long before Grace took the reins of their marriage, putting <laughs> together a trade network to Spain and Portugal. She also personally led raiding parties on vessels that sailed a little too close to her shores. Oh, you know. She's like, fuck around and find out, guys. Get off my lawn. <laughs> Pretty much. It's my purse. I don't know you. Now your purse is also my purse. <laughs> You'll get off my lawn. <laughs> in 1558, Queen Elizabeth I took power in England, who we also have a connection to, mm-hmm. and her aim was to increase her control over Ireland. As you can imagine, this didn't go over very well with Grace. Yeah. Yeah, I have a feeling it wouldn't. Yep. Just two ladies trying to do what their dads were fighting about. The O'Flaherty's were constantly feuding with the Joyce's clan, and in 1564, the O'Flaherty's sought to extend their territory. Grace's husband, Donal, was killed by the Joyces in an ambush in 1565 when she was around 35 years old. They mistakenly thought that it would be easy to overtake Donal's lands now that, quote, only a woman, end quote, was left to defend it. (sighs) Only a woman. Okay. Clearly not paying attention. (laughs) Yeah. Clearly having zero idea who she was. Yep. They didn't expect her to drive them off so fiercely that her defense of her home was compared to that of a mother hen protecting her brood. Following this skirmish, the fortress was nicknamed Hen's Castle, but is more commonly known as Castlekirk. Nice. Following her successful protection of Castlekirk, Grace returned to her ancestral home of Clare Island with a group of her husband's followers and set up base there. She would board any ship that sailed through the entrance of Clue Bay and required levees in order for their safe journey through Galway in the south. Yep. We gotta keep making that money. Castles don't pay for themselves. (laughs) No, they do not. (laughs) The legend of her life states that while there, she fell in love with a shipwrecked Wexford sailor named Hugh de Lacey, at least until he was brutally murdered by a member of the McMahon family of Balaborge. That sucks. Yeah. Again, someone decided to fuck around and find out. Yeah. I don't know who to feel sorry for. (laughs) Grace didn't take the murder of her lover very well. As one typically doesn't. And led an assault on McMahon Castle at Duna in Blockshed Bay that resulted in the brutal slaughter of his killers thus cementing her legacy as the pirate queen of Connacht and earned her the nickname of the Dark Lady of Duna. Nice. Around this time, Grace's father passed away from natural causes, meaning that as his sole heir, she assumed the title and responsibilities as Lord of the O'Malley clan, even though she was a woman. I bet that went over super well. Well, given how she is, I don't see how many people would have been like, yeah, no, you know what I mean? Yeah. That makes sense. It's unclear how many vessels she had at her disposal, with reports varying from 5 to 20. 
During this time, however, the English Council of Dublin started to complain to the English monarchy that Grace's ships were committing acts of piracy. You guys, she's taking our stuff. Make it stop. She's so mean. She beat me up on my own ship in front of all of my friends. (laughs) To compromise and keep the peace, Grace offered to supply 200 fighting men to the English to serve in their army, even as she continued to plunder ships that entered the waters under her control. I mean... They didn't say stop. Yeah. So. In 1566, Grace once again remarried a man of high political standing named Sir Richard Irenberg, known as Iron Richard of the McWilliam clan. Nice. The pair agreed on a trial marriage of a year, at which point they would decide if they wanted to divorce. And I guess this was pretty common of mm-hmm. political marriages. Yeah. Just to kind of be like... I like you or I really dislike you. Like we're done. Yeah. It's just so strange to me. Like that's also just another fairly modern take. Yeah. You know, like something that I wouldn't expect. So kind of funny. Especially in the 1500s. Yeah. Like we can live together, I guess. And like be a couple despite like Catholicism (laughs) and like, Not looking at each other before marriage. Yeah. At the end of the year, Grace locked him out of the castle and dismissed him as her husband. (laughs) She She was like, and I'm done. (laughs) Like, uh, trial period's done. (laughs) I have made my choice. (laughs) Right. Results are in. You're out. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You did not receive the rose. Sorry. Right. Yeah, only thorns. Grace was pregnant at this time and set up her base of operations at Rockfleet Castle, which is a property she'd earned during the trial marriage. Nice. She was like, this is mine now. I'm taking this. (laughs) Got your baby, got your things. Bye. Surprisingly, even after their divorce, Sir Richard continued to support Grace as an ally in her efforts protecting Ireland from the English. Okay. It's also been speculated that they didn't actually divorce at all. When Sir Richard was knighted, Grace took the title of Lady Burke and would appear with him at any official function that he attended. Interesting. Like friends with benefits almost instead of... Yeah. You're kind of high politically, so I guess I'll keep you around. Right. We're not married. (laughs) You're scary, so I'm not going to continue to upset you. (laughs) Yeah. It's said that Grace was so hardy and badass that the day after she birthed her son, Sir Theobald Tibbet Burke, who would go on to become the first Viscount of Mayo, aboard a ship in 1567, she was able to jump out of bed to aid in defending the ship from attacking Algerian pirates. You know. As one post, does. Post-birth diaper and all. Yep. It said she came at them with two blunderbusses, which are short pistols with the trumpet looking in. <laughs> Screaming at them to, quote, take this load from unconsecrated hands, end quote, and promptly shot and killed the Algerian officers before capturing their ship. Awesome. As someone who has given birth to two children, I am not that badass. No. I could not have done that. Yeah, there's no running or 
coughing. (laughs) (laughs) Just existing is hard enough. I mean, could you admit, I'm picturing her in like a blood-soaked nightgown, like running on the ship, like (laughs) shooting people. I'm sure she was wearing pants, but even still, like just covered in her own blood. That would have been terrifying. It would have. Despite having a new baby, Grace continued leading raids along the coast against English vessels, which pissed off the Tudors when she kept stealing their cargo. Yeah. (laughs) Grace had no qualms being aggressive in battle, and when her older sons would back off as if afraid to fight, she'd bully them into action by crying out, quote, Are you trying to hide in my arse where you came out of? End quote. (laughs) Dang, Mom. That hurts my feel bads. (laughs) Got me right in the feel bads. In 1574, the English sent an expedition to Ireland to put an end to her privateering of their ships. Although they were able to capture Rockfleet Castle, Grace was able to escape and push back their fleet with her ships. In 1577-78, the Earl of Desmond captured Grace and imprisoned her in Limerick for over a year before moving her to Dublin where she remained his captive. The Earl was suspected of taking part in a plot against the Queen, so he handed Grace over to gain political favor, as one does. Right. Like, look what I brought you. Yeah. Your enemy. Ignore what I potentially did. Right. I'm not your enemy. She's your enemy. Look, she's trash. This fixes everything. (laughs) (laughs) She was finally released on good behavior from Dublin Castle, and likely helped by Sir John Perrault, who, although English, did not approve of the harsh treatment of the Irish. The only one in history! (laughs) Yep. He was like, this is wrong, you guys. He's like, you guys, I think we're being a little too harsh here. I think we're the baddies? (laughs) So John is throwing things at him. In 1580, Grace helped her husband, Sir Richard, become the heir to the McWilliam chiefdom following the chief's death. They were able to pull together a huge army that included the Galaglass, which were elite Scottish mercenaries, in order to claim the title. I'm picturing them in, like, kilts. Just like... I just think it's funny that she keeps getting gifted these, like, really insane men. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure she not. It's not because she's, she's, like, delicate at all. They're like, you know what? (laughs) We think you guys would get along. (laughs) They're aggressive. You're aggressive. It's great. It's a perfect match. You wear dresses, they have kilts. Mm-hmm. Awesome. In April 1583, Sir Richard died of natural causes, leaving Grace to raise her four children alone and relinquish her claim to the McWilliam title. Mm-hmm. At this time, she took up permanent residence at Rockfleet Castle, which she had reclaimed from the English. Yeah. Just ten years after their embarrassing defeat at Rockfleet Castle, the English would fight back with the appointment of Sir Richard Bingham. He sounds fun. God. Sir Richard had been appointed Lord President of Connacht in 1584 by the monarchy in an effort to exert their authority over Ireland. The English's plan to gain con- complete control over Ireland was to subvert the traditional structure that Irish society was based on, that of clans and chieftains, that ruled over those clans and their territory. Scholar Jonathan Barden details exactly how Sir Richard planned to impose his will over the Irish people. Quote, in 1585, the Lord President unveiled his ambitious scheme to impose an ordered regime upon the province he governed. 
This he called the composition of Connacht. The lords of the province were no longer to live by billeting their warriors on the lands of their tenants and by seizing butter, corn, and cattle as tribute. Henceforth, the employment of mercenary soldiers was forbidden. Tenant farmers would hereafter pay money rents to these lords, who in turn would pay taxes to the English crown and abide by English laws. In short, these great landowners were no longer allowed to be independent warlords. The composition of Connacht worked quite well in southern Connacht, but it was a different matter in the northern part of the province. Here, Grace O'Malley was among those who refused to be reconciled to the new regime. End quote. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't jive well with them. That makes yeah. sense. Just two years later, in 1586, some of his men were responsible for the death of Grace's eldest son, Owen. In addition to killing her child, he also took land and cattle, which greatly fueled her thirst for revenge. <laughs> this same year, Sir Richard lured Grace into a trap and captured her, condemning her to death before her son-in-law, who was also named Richard, you know, the devil's hook, yeah. was able to persuade the English to release her as she was 56 at this time. And so old. So old and frail. Basically a feeble old maid. Yeah, too delicate. The following year, Sir Richard was sent to visit his political rival, the new Lord Deputy of Dublin, Sir John Perrault. Yeah. Remember him? Yeah. Mr. Like, everybody's not that bad, right? And he had to travel to England to meet with him. Mm. Sir John had not only pardoned Grace, but also her sons, <laughs> and was spinning the tale that she was now quite retired and planned to stop her privateering ways. You, <laughs> you guys... She's fine. She's changed. She's old. <laughs> it's fine. It's all good. She's but a delicate flower. As you can probably imagine, this was a lie. What? <laughs> <laughs> the following summer in 1588, Sir Richard returned back to Ireland amid speculation that the Spanish Armada were coming to the island to aid the Irish in their rebellion against the English. Skirmishes between Sir Richard forces and those of Grace continued for several years, up until the early 1590s, after he was able to destroy a portion of her fleet. Dang. In 1593, at the age of 63, Grace was forced to do something she never thought she'd have to do, after Sir Richard kidnapped her 26-year-old son, Theobald, and imprisoned him as well as his brother, Murrah, at Ballymote Castle. Remember, Grace wasn't just a pirate queen. She had been born into a powerful family. And knowing that she had no hope of besting Sir Richard as she was, in April of 1595, she sought aid from her friend, the Earl of Ormond, to request an audience with Queen Elizabeth I. But that really made Richard happy. <laughs> Why are you going straight to my manager? Right. She's I like, want to talk to your manager. Exactly. <laughs> Before she could even speak to the queen, Grace was forced to answer 18 questions, known as the Articles of Interrogatory, in writing. In this document, she requested the release of her sons and return of her lands, as well as challenged the Gaelic law that prohibited her from receiving income from her husband's land. She argued that all of the political chaos in Connacht had forced her to, quote, take arms and by force to maintain myself and my people by sea and land the space for 40 years past, end quote. 
Obviously, Sir Richard advised the Queen to refuse to speak with Grace, mm-hmm. stating that she was the cause of all the rebellions that had been taking place in Connacht for the last 40 years. <laughs> but the Queen refused his requests. Yeah. In a surprising move, Queen Elizabeth I agreed to meet with Grace, and the pair met in September of 1593. Awesome. At this time, Queen Elizabeth I was 60, and Grace was 63. Queen Elizabeth met with Grace at Greenwich Palace in England, and it's noted that Grace refused to bow to Elizabeth because she didn't view her as the Queen of Ireland. Makes sense. Additionally, even though Grace was elegantly dressed to befit her title and status, she carried a dagger with her and refused to relinquish it, stating it was for her own protection. Emotional support daggers. Yep, we all have one. We all have one. And Elizabeth allowed it. She was like, that's fair. You're, you know, you're not on your home turf. I get it. As someone who's had several death threats. (laughs) Yep, and attempts on my life. I get it. The pair conducted their conversation in Latin. Some sources said they spoke in English, but it's documented that they conducted the summit in Latin. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. They'd want to have the least amount of people know what they were saying. Yep. At the end of the summit, an accord was met. Sir Richard would have to return Grace's property, free her sons, and pay her the due she was owed for her husband's land. As a result, Grace would cease supporting the Irish Rebellion and only attack enemies of the English. (laughs) Okay. Queen Elizabeth I had word sent to Sir Richard, stating, We require you to deal with her sons in our name to yield to her some maintenance for living the rest of her Mm. old years. And this we do write in her favor, as she showeth herself dutiful, although she hath in former times lived out of order. She hath confessed the same with assured promises by oath that she will fight in our quarrel with all the world, end quote. She's old. Give, it, <laughs> give her land back. She's fine. She said sorry. Yep. I love yep. how she called her old, even though she's like three years older than her. <laughs> she's infirm. Just give her, just give her, her stuff. <laughs> she's not going to live forever. She's probably going to die next week. Yeah, it's a fine. Mysterious illness. It's fine. Although her sons were returned to her, Sir Richard refused to give her back the land she was promised. And following this, Grace virtually disappeared from public life. She did promise Queen Elizabeth I use of her ships and army during the Nine Years' War, which took place between 1593 and 1603 between the English and the Irish, who were led by Hugh O'Neill of Tyrone and Hugh Roe O'Donnell of Tyrconnell. I probably butchered those. I'm sorry, Ireland. It said that in this, she did not keep her promise, Supreze, what? and lent ships to the Irish rebels, but refused to fight herself in the war following the Battle of Kinsale in 1602. I mean, that's a great way to not implicate yourself. I didn't fight. I wasn't there. They took my ships? I was feeble and infirm in my castle. Right. I was just <laughs> too busy being an old lady. <laughs> Living my life. How I don't, how would that have happened? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. She also encouraged her son Theobald to fight for Elizabeth I per their agreement. So kind of a way to cover her bases. You know? Yep. Yeah. My son is fighting for you. I mean. Right. I'm just, you know, trapped in my house. 
bones deteriorating actively (laughs) and i told my son to fight for you but you know i'm not his keeper because i i've got no bones at this point so i'm basically riddled with osteoporosis i'm just dust you know i'm dust in the wind telling him what to do (laughs) just skid in dust that's me who who listens to wind you know yep the final 10 years of her life have continued to be shrouded in mystery Many believe that she passed away at Rockfleet Castle in 1603 at the age of 73, which coincidentally was the same year that Queen Elizabeth I also passed. She was buried at this Cistercian Abbey on Clare Island, which is where she was also baptized. Nice. Aside, many ballads, plays, mm-hmm. songs, movies, and books have been written about Grace's courage and lasting legacy. One such ballad, in part, is as follows. Quote, in the wild grandeur of her mien erect and high, before the English queen she dauntless stood, and none her bearing there could form as rude. She seemed well used to power, as one that hath dominion over men of savage mood, and dared the tempest in its midnight wrath, and through opposing billows cleft her fearless path. End quote. She was a badass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is a bronze statue that was erected in her memory by her direct descendants in the grounds of Westport House in Mayo. There is also a comprehensive exhibition about her life that was curated by historian Anne Chambers, who did extensive research on Grace's life and also put together a book about her in 2003 titled Ireland's Pirate Queen, The True Story of Grace O'Malley, 1530-1603. to Awesome. Margie Goldsmith reached out to Anne to ask her about Grace, and the following is a quote from her Forbes article. Quote, Grace O'Malley's life celebrates the power of true femininity. Despite the quote-unquote male orientation of her career by land and by sea, she never felt compelled to have to jettison her sexuality in order to compete and succeed in what was considered a male-dominated environment. On the contrary, She used the qualities and assets unique to her sex to overcome the obstacles she encountered. What her story has to say about women competing in a male-only preserve, about breaking boundaries imposed on women by society, about marriage, motherhood, love, and family relationships, as well as the challenges posed by female aging, are issues that relate to women everywhere today, end quote. That's awesome. And true. Mm-hmm. And lastly, as an interesting aside, Sir Henry Sidney, Lord Deputy of Ireland, who met O'Malley in 1577, stated of her, quote, a most famous feminine sea captain, famous for her stoutness of courage, commanding three galleys and 200 fighting men. This was a most notorious woman in all the coasts of Ireland, end quote. Nice. And that is the badass pirate queen, Grace O'Malley. Definitely a badass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You go, great, great, great something, Grandma. Okay. If you're interested in ad-free content, consider supporting us with a one-time donation either over on Buy Me a Coffee or our Venmo page, both of which are in our link tree and in the show notes. If you'd like early ad-free content, not to mention some bonus material, become a member of our Patreon today for as low as a dollar a month. Spooky Spouses, a podcast about ghosts and stuff. 
Are you interested in the paranormal? And then all of a sudden we hear this. Down a hallway, when there's no one else there, I would go, maybe there's a ghost farting around these halls. Intelligent conversations? Uh, we don't know a lot. We were, we don't at all, and we never claim to. Furbies? Do these things so you could essentially kiss the Furby, but you're really kissing your ghost partner. Furbies again a little bit? I don't know. I don't know what you want your Furby for, to but. To kiss. <laughs> Biting people? Do you like a food enough to bite middle schoolers for no. it? No. <laughs> Do you? Mystery boxes? A box full of human heads was reportedly stolen from a medical supply truck in Denver on Thursday. Find the spooky spouses wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Excuse me. This week's podcast plug is the Spooky Spouses podcast. Ooh. Husband and wife Jordan and Lindsay Reed's podcast is inspired by their love-hate relationship for most things paranormal. <laughs> Topics include possessions, unsolved mysteries, urban legends, cryptozoology, haunted foods, and their creepy neighbor. Uh, haunted foods, I, I need to check out. I'm, yeah. That's definitely intriguing. I want to know if there's a haunted sub sandwich. Just a spaghetti noodles floating around. <laughs> it's a haunted bologna and cheese. <laughs> New episodes are released every Monday, and we'll have a link to their show in the show notes. Nice. What's something good you'd like to share? I'm going to change it from the <laughs> yeah. one I had last time, because I, I got some slightly better news. I'm starting a full-time gig again. I don't have to freelance anymore. Woo! So... I'm in the middle of finalizing all the good paperwork. And then I get to have, you know, fancy, nice health insurance again. <laughs> and, you know, live better instead mm -hmm. of sporadically. So mm -hmm. I'm very happy and I think it'll be a good, a good job and we'll see what happens. Yay! Yay! How about you? What's something good? I'm also going to change mine. Ooh. You don't get to know what the original was. Because <laughs> <laughs> it didn't record. <laughs> yeah. Or it was just you. It was just, just me talking. talking into the wind. <laughs> I was just talking to skin and dust. I was cosplaying as Grace. <laughs> All we are is dust and skin. <laughs> um. <laughs> All we are is dandruff in the wind. <laughs> We're also, in addition to being part of the Cultivate Network, we are part of the OSA Network, which is mm -hmm. a woman-only network for po of podcasters. And we have been accepted into their Amplify program, which is a month-long learning program to kind of learn how to better promote your podcast, ways you can improve, all that kind of stuff. That's and awesome. it actually starts the day of this recording. So Nice. I may have you attend some of the sessions, Maddie, that I cannot attend because it's on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay. And Tuesdays are Girl Scout nights. Girl Scouts. Yep. Yeah. I'm excited to learn what they have to say, see yeah. if there's ways that we can improve the podcast and, and spread the word and get more listeners. Mm -hmm. So yeah, more to report on that later. Very exciting. And on that note, I'm going to shut her down. Sounds good. Looking for more content? You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. 
If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, not to mention bonus content and funny memes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Yield Crime Pod and on Facebook and Instagram at Yield Crime Podcast. On TikTok, of course you are. Follow us at Yield Crime Podcast. If you'd like to support the show, but you can't do so financially, a great way is to leave a five-star rating and review wherever you can do so. You can do so on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods. I think there's some others like on Podbean. Basically, mm-hmm. wherever you can leave a review. This week's review comes from Podchaser, from our friend Marissa over at the Victorian Variety Show podcast. Hi, Marissa. Hi, Marissa. And she says, I really enjoy this podcast. I am particularly oh. interested in Victorian era crime history, and I learn a great deal from the cases that are discussed on the show. Thanks. Thanks, Marissa. If you want a playlist of all our episodes on YouTube, click the link in our show notes or in our link tree and subscribe today for not only a list of our full catalog, but a separate list as well, just of our Can You Crack the Cramp Word segments. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime.